Welcome back, Serie fans. Bentornati to the Total Football Analysis Serie podcast. I'm your host, Daniele Proc, and with me today on the show is Chris Mumford, the EPL podcast host, and the open critique of Gianluigi Donnarumma. Donnarumma, or Gigio, as Milan fans call him, has considered zero goals in the first three Serie games. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it, Chris. Hey, uh, 21-year-old taking care of business. Uh, you know, we'll see. When he starts playing some competition, he's going to have a lot of work this upcoming Saturday. He's old enough to go out and, uh, and celebrate the, after, after a win. Well, let's begin um, our conversation by looking at the table and see which of the top seven clubs from last season could be contenders in this year's Scudetto race. And since we've mentioned Donnarumma, let's begin with uh, Milan. Milan finished their, uh, their transfer window with a positive 35 million transfer record. Uh, they extended the contract of Zlatan Ibrahimovic until uh, June 2021. What do you think about it, Chris? I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I think they are going to continue to get better and better. Uh, you're starting to see a consistent style of play. Um, you're starting to see pickups or renewals to support that um, style of play. It's nice to see that things aren't nuts or chaotic over there. So, uh, you know, I think that their rivals need to pay attention uh, given they do have a legit goalkeeper in the back, you know, a little overrated still, but very legit. And they've got a, a striker which just soaks up a lot of pressure, both in terms of media as well as in, in de, uh, defenders' attention. Yeah, and Milan was able to also secure uh, Ante Rebic, Alexis Salismaker, and Simon Kier after the great performances from last year. Mm -hmm. And they bought the uh, young midfielder Sandro Tonali from, uh, from Brescia, stealing it at the end from Inter. And then we have a couple of, uh, of players who um, uh, have a lot of expectations around them because of their quality, talking about midfielder Brahim Diaz and fullback uh, Diogo Dalot. We'll see how, they, uh, how they're going to do. Chris, Milan uh, began the season with uh, uh, three wins out of uh, three games, considering zero goals. Um, I, I wonder, do you think that Stefano Pioli's side is going to be strong enough to contend, uh, to, you know, to partake in the Scudetto race, or will they settle for a, for a top four finish? I think it's too early to tell, to be honest with you. I mean, the competition they've played in the first three matches are... Not, not one that you'd want to go ahead and attach some bench, benchmarks to. Um, I think clearly they're in the conversation for being in the top three or four maybe. I don't know if they have the firepower for one or two. But, hey, uh, a lot of it's going to come down to injuries, how healthy Eber is going to um, be able to stay, uh, and if defenses are really going to start to figure him out uh, as maybe he starts to lose a step. Time will tell. Yeah, they're definitely in great form because, uh, you know, since Serie A restarted in June, they have gone 15 games without losing. Yeah. Um, despite, okay, that said, I uh, do think that they will try to settle for a top four placement, which, you know, will uh, give them access to next year Champions League, which they have been missing out on since 2013-14, which is right. crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think that the truth is they've got, Inter coming up, they've got Roma uh, the following week, and then they've got a whole host of European, Euro, Europa League matches, Celtic, Sparta Prague, uh, and Lille. 
So I think this, we're going to know in the next four weeks how legit this squad is and can they still stay healthy, which is going to be a key theme for City Eye, I feel like, because the truth is, is most squads did not reload. Um, they, they committed to resources that they had. They tried to break even. And I'm just, I'm really happy to see AC Milan having some stability. Yeah, Chris, this morning when I, when I woke up, uh, the news of the day was Cristiano Ronaldo testing positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, so I guess that Zlatan Ibrahimovic was not able to stop the spread of the virus after catching it. <laughs> so why don't we look at uh, what Juventus did in, in this transfer window. They uh, finished uh, uh, with a negative record of uh, minus 13 million euros. Uh, and really in the last day, they were able to secure... Italian winger Federico Chiesa from uh, from Fiorentina. How do you think he will do on that on that flank? Oh, uh, you know, I think that he should fit in nicely. I mean, it kind of makes sense uh, that they they picked him up. I, I will tell you, I just am really struck that big spenders Juve overall um, took a very low profile uh, this uh, this transfer win window. Um, you know, I think that the next two weeks are going to be fascinating. Uh, they're they're going to have some uh, work ahead of them in that they're going to have Barcelona on the 28th of the month. And at that point, will Ronaldo be back for that match or not? They've got um, Dynamo Kiev beforehand. Uh, so I don't think they have a lot of competition with respect to the um, uh, Serie A opponents, Crotone. Verona, possibly, Spezia. Uh, um, you know, I think those are going to be some lighter elements. But keep in mind, they're going to be playing two matches a week. And uh, mm-hmm. they're going to – I think the squads, they're, they may or may not be fit, right? They're just starting to kind of get in place. I really wonder this whole international travel bit, sending folks to all over the world, yep. guess what's going to happen? And um, mm-hmm. I, I wonder which – what you think the impacts and what the news is of how COVID is, is, is rising in Italy and what is the threat, Daniele, of potentially CDI having to shut down for a while? So there is definitely a big scare of, uh, of COVID going back to the high levels of, uh, of this past spring. Um, you know, we, we saw it a couple of weeks ago when Napoli was not able to travel to Turin. The game was um, apparently forfeited by Napoli. They appealed. Uh, we're going to wait for a final decision to see whether Juventus will get the three points. But uh, it's tough. Uh, Liga Serie A uh, has tried to, you know, delineate the protocols so that um, the matches can unfold according to schedule. So they're trying not to stop uh, the calendar because if that happens, what's going to happen to Euro uh, 2021? You know, you cannot push back too many games because... Uh, there is Euro 2021 has been already rescheduled, so it, it is a it is a challenge, and I guess players are gonna be to be uh, gonna have to stay even more diligent in their approach to you know social life and uh, uh, safety protocols. And how I would in, say, sorry, how about in terms of of coaching? Do you think that Pirlo has has made the 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 right number of moves? And given the only two or three matches, how do you feel he's doing well for sure he changed the way uh juventus play and think about playing ronaldo had great words of uh uh, admiration for pirlo Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. he seems to uh, prefer uh, a three man in the back formation, three four one two, three four two one, with um, the front guys being obviously Ronaldo, Dybala when he's back, and then one between Kulusevski or Morata. Chiesa will fit well, I think, on the right flank because he already played in a three-man system at Fiorentina. So he's a guy that um, does not have problems with contributing with defensive runs uh, when the team needs them. And um, How about Morata? Do you think Morata is, is going to be a, a strong bench contributor or is he going to have, is this going to be the system that's going to work for him? Again, he knows the system as well because he played with, uh, well, maybe not the same ideas, but the system under Conte when he was here, when he was at Juventus uh, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. They played with uh, two strikers. What he, it was him and Carlos Tevez. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, his strength is that he's very uh, versatile. So he can adjust to what's asked of him. He's played with Ronaldo at Real Madrid. He's, gonna, he's not going to be the guy that uh, causes a lot of problems in the locker room because... Uh, of his playing time is going to be ready when uh, Pirlo lands him up and he's going to uh, be okay with just being subbed off um, you know, throughout the game. I will say one last thing about the transfer window. Uh, Juventus manager Agnelli, Andrea Agnelli, he's, been, he's looked, uh, recently he looked very worried about the, the finances of uh, Juventus and Serie A. Juventus have by far the highest uh, average of players' wages. And that's why when they had, when they, they signed Chiesa, they had to to make sure that they were uh, they loaned out Douglas Costa to Bayern Munich, Daniel Rugani to Rennes, and uh, De Ciglio, Matteo De Ciglio to Olympique Lyon, um, because really they had to uh, take this burden, this weight away from them. At least now they're not paying their their uh, wage for a year, saving about 10 million euros combined. Yeah, I, I mean, I will say I'm I am going to be paying a little uh, closer attention with signing of Weston McKinney. Um, do you think he's going to get real minutes and could emerge this year as a legit star, or is he going to need another year or two of maturation? Well, Peel is not afraid of playing young players because mm-hmm. he's shown that in the, in the, first, in the first two games, McKinney, Farabotta, all these uh, new guys have gotten significant minutes. He definitely provides um, runs, and uh, commitment and, uh, you know, muscles in the middle of the field, as well as so far from what I've seen, a decent uh, passing range. You know, when Bentancur, when Arthur Melo are going to be back, um, I'm not sure whether McKenney will continue to be a starter, but in the, it's his first year in a, in a top European club. He's just going to try to stay patient, and uh, I think it will work out for him. How about some of the folks returning back from loan, like Khan or Stapa or Kusavelski, um, Romero? Uh, are any of these folks going to feature Pellegrini? Do you think they're going to feature um, much in, in matches? Uh, because I see seven um, players that they brought back by not loaning them out. Yeah, well, some of them uh, have been loaned out again, like Pellegrini, Luca Pellegrini, the fullback. He is uh, currently in force with, with Genoa. But um, to your question, uh, Kulezeski, Dejan Kulezeski will play the biggest role of those you have mentioned. He was the best young player of last year, scoring 10 goals and nine, uh, recording nine assists while on, on loan at Parma. So I'll have my money on him, and I think he's going to start most of the games 
and um, he's got a quality left foot. He can dribble. He's uh, physically structured. Um, oh, since we, we, we mentioned Parma, what's going on at Parma, Chris? They've been spending like crazy this transfer window. Uh, it's called having a sugar daddy, uh, an American <laughs> sugar daddy, um, the Kraus family uh, out of the Midwest, who are uh, basically convenience store kings. Mm. Um, I guess they uh, had some success in their USL League 2, the Des Moines Menace, shout out to them. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I guess they decided to trade up to Parma, which to me is a heck of a trade. Uh, I, I wish I had a father who had $5.6 billion. So, um, <laughs> Parma, sure Parma recorded the, uh, the highest um, transfer record in terms of negative balance with minus 76 million euros. Yeah. What do you, what do you see interesting out of, out of those pickups, Daniele? Well, uh, they, uh, they bought out Roberto Inglese, um, who had, had featured with them for the past couple of seasons and is going to be their number nine if he stays fit. He's had some problems with injuries. Mm -hmm. Besides that, um, it's really a, team, a new looking team with uh, Fabio Liverani as, as the coach. And uh, let's see if Gervinho will be able to make a difference again in Serie A. That guy seems to never to never stop making a difference <laughs> with his space. So it's it's a it's an open question mark and we're going to have uh, we're going to have to see. It's going to be a box of chocolate season for them. Mm, you just don't yeah. know what you're going to have. Uh, you know, Fulham tried that strategy a couple of years ago and it failed miserably. Mm -hmm. But, you know, who who's to say that with a little bit of time the manager can't get these guys working together and um, you know, move up to kind of a mid mid table could could they threat potentially at some Europa slots, probably mm -hmm. a little too early for that, but maybe they're setting up a project to kind of get them there in two to three years. So yeah, Europa um, could be, could be a stretch. Um, I agree. So it will take a little longer for players to click for, you know, uh, the managers to figure out uh, what is the potential of the club, you know, uh, Chris, a team that uh, keeps impressing is, is Atalanta. They're currently first in the league, three out of three, 13 goals in three games. That means an average of 4.3 goals per game, uh, currently on top of, uh, of the league. Uh, their transfer window was, uh, was interesting. They uh, bought on a permanent transfer Mario Pazalic, who already has, uh, has two goals in this, uh, sorry, one goal and one assist in this Serie A season. And uh, there is excitement for this guy, uh, Russian attack attacking midfielder Alexei Miranchuk. He's currently injured, but uh, he could do very well. Do you think that Atalanta is part of the uh, Scudetto conversation? Unfortunately, no. Um, uh. as, much, as much as I love talking about them and uh, personally a fan of their style of play, you know, they bought more uh, attacking talent. And uh, what they need is they needed more defending talent mm. uh and i just think that christian romero uh 2.2 million euro loan fee that's not going to get it done um or even um fabio de paoli uh, as a right back um you know i just they i think they needed to, to maybe spend that 16 million to 16 million checks on some defensive players but what's your take on it do you think they're just going to go with uh Houston Rockets will just score more 
<laughs> Chris, I'm I'm just on the Liga Serie A page for goals and assists, and I just see uh, Atalanta players. You know, Gomez, Alejandro Gomez is currently sure. leading with four goals, and Atalanta really can send almost all of their players to goal. They, uh, we have their wingbacks, uh, Robert Gosens and Ansata Boer, who basically do something similar that we see at Liverpool with Alexander Arnold and uh, and uh, Henderson and Robertson. Sorry. They serve each other, they assist each other, and then the back post run is just very hard for uh, uh, the opponent to mark. And uh, Atalanta just creates so much offense. It's a pleasure to to watch. And my answer is yes, Chris. They will be part of this year's Scudetto conversation. Just remember that last year they were four points shy of first place. So I don't see why you're uh, you're writing them off. Well. We'll find out with Napoli coming up on Saturday. That'll be a, a real test for them. They're going to have a run of Champions um, League matches. Uh, and, uh, I mean, get this. They've got Liverpool on November 3rd, and then they've got them again on November 25th. Mm. Um, you know, they don't really have a lot of competition um, in terms of Serie A until uh, November 8th. But, it's a, again, it's a lot of matches uh, you have to play um, uh, Ajax and Liverpool back-to-back weekends. That that feels hard to me, but hey, they are a selling club. They've made great m- money in the transfer markets. Mm-hmm. They keep buying uh, younger, uh, just on the cusp, um, strikers or um, attacking midfielders, and they sell them for a pretty penny. So. Um, I like the fact that they're really specific in their style of play. And I like the fact that they commercially, you know what they stand for. And also specific in the recruitment process. They're very, very specific in buying players according to what the coach, Giampiero Gasperini, wants their players to, to, to feature in, the system. Um, keep an eye on Sam Lammers. He's a, he's a young Dutch striker who scored an unbelievable goal against Cagliari two weeks ago with a, a paso doble. He, uh, is he was able to kind of uh, take the ball across his his body with uh, the bottom of his foot and then finish with the right. So keep an eye on that guy. It's a big name. Uh, could be a big name for Fanta Calcio, Italian fantasy football league. Um, since you mentioned Napoli, let's let's take a look at what they did in this transfer window. They finished with a, a positive forty one million euros transfer record, despite. Uh, making the largest investment in their, um, in their transfer history, spending 70 million to buy uh, 21-year-old center forward Victor Osimhen from Lille. He's, uh, he's, uh, he could be their, their guy, their number nine they were, they were looking for. What do you think about it? It's hard to say, you know, and I'm going to be honest with you. Their next month's worth of matches, of which they're going to be a lot, you know, the names that jump out to me are Real Sociedad, uh, in the Europa League. Uh, and then, you know, they don't, um, after playing Atalanta, they don't play one of the big four to six until November 22nd with AC Milan uh, and then Roma the week afterwards. So I think we're going to need a little bit more runway to figure out if Napoli is the real deal. I've heard from uh, really smart folks that think that they could be an outside, a dark horse uh, for winning the league. I'm not sure that I'm on that bandwagon. What's your take on that? Oh, I think they are. Uh, listen, two wins in two games, 
eight goal scores, zero conceded. And what I like about Victor Osimhen is a forward that is mobile, but at the same time, he's got big presence. He's physically structured. And what I like about him is that now Gattuso, uh, manager Gennaro Gattuso, has tried um, his formation into a, a 4-2-3-1, featuring Insigne on the left, um, Dries Mertens as a trequartista, and then on the right, either Irving uh, Lozano or, or uh, Matteo Politano. But usually we, uh, we saw Mertens alternating with Napoli's number nine, which usually was, uh, was Milik. I like that they're, now they're all playing together because the, the two quick guys like Insigne and Mertens with their combinations, if they can play off of Osimen, they're going to make money. They're going to they're gonna score a lot of goals. Maybe um, they're, they're on track with, you know, challenging Atalantas in terms of how many, how many goals um, they can score. And, um, I th- and I also like the philosophy of General Gattuso playing out of the back, uh, pressing and keeping possession because they finished last season with the highest... Um, average of ball possession with 58.5%. Well, before I buy a ticket for that train, I want to watch them play somebody besides Parma and Genoa uh, and score eight goals. They were supposed to uh, play Juventus, but uh, apparently they were held back. And uh, I really wish that that, that game will be, um, will be played again. I don't want that to be, to be canceled, Chris. I agree with you. Um, it would be, it's, it's nice to see those guys go head to head and could be a, could be a absolute critical three points in the scudetto. Yeah, it could uh, it could be very um, important uh, down the line. Let's look at uh, a team that has been very aggressive in this transfer window. We're talking about Inter. How many players did they get? Their midfield line looks just threatening, and they are the biggest contenders for the um, for the title. You know they secured Nicola Barella and Stefano Sensi after their, their loan from last year from Cagliari and Sassuolo. They signed Arturo Vidal uh, on a free transfer from Barcelona and they got uh, Perisic, Ivan Perisic back after a year in which he won the Champions League with Bayern Munich. And then, Chris, you have Marcelo Brozovic, Christian Eriksen, Roberto Gagliardini. That midfield has really no rivals, I believe, in terms of um, the depth in the league. Yeah, I agree. And I, I'm really hoping that uh, Erickson has got a little more time uh, in Milan and Alexis Sanchez as well, because if those guys come back to even 80% of what they were, or even 70%, I just think they're going to be really solid contributors to a very dangerous club offensively. Mm-hmm. And I just, I like, the, I like what they've done um, defensively last year as well. I just feel like there are a lot of pieces in place uh, for them to to be successful. Um, I think as far as uh, what their uh, their playing schedule is going forward, uh, you know they're, they're going to have some work with, as we've talked about the on Saturday against AC Milan. But you know they're going to be playing Genoa, Parma. Um, they're going to play Atalanta um, on November eighth. Uh, that's going to really be right in the middle of Real Madrid on November 3rd uh, and then uh, Real Madrid again on 11-25. So November is going to be a really important month for them. I do think that uh, it's really unfortunate that the Lazio Inter game, which started out with an absolutely brilliant, exciting first half, Mm -hmm. got blown up by some dark arts where you had 
a couple players sent off and it just became a really ugly, unattractive game afterwards. And I just, I, it's, I'm disappointed when the dark arts ruin a perfectly fine match that was going on. So we shall see. They're going to get a little test on Saturday and then they've got some champions league stuff to kind of warm up for Real Madrid and then November, put your seatbelt and we'll see where, where they stand uh, both yeah. in champions and Scudetto. And the most expensive transfer for Inter was um, fullback or uh, right wing back, Akraf Hakimi, highly wanted by, by coach Conte because Conte loves his, uh, his wing backs to going up and down the entire 90 minutes with uh, pace and intensity. And then on top, you have uh, um, obviously Romero Lukaku, Lautaro Martinez, and Sanchez, Alexis Sanchez, who came on a, on a free transfer from Menu. So Inter have bought a lot of players, but they have been smart in either getting back loans or securing free transfers uh, from, um, from big-time teams. So Conte, yeah. I just want to say one last thing. Conte was about to leave the club after um, they lost the UEFA Europa League finals against Sevilla. Yeah. And apparently he said, I'm going to stay one more year, but I want to win the Scudetto this year. Yeah, I mean, I think the real trick is that, uh, you know, they, they had the fewest goals allowed last year at 36. And then they brought in some serious talent uh, at the, um, on the defensive side. And that, to me, shows Hakimi demonstrates that, look, they've got nice offense. They had 81 goals, not nearly as much as um, Atalanta, but certainly five more than Juve. So to me, that sort of team construction and intentionality works. While is that, though I love Atalanta, they're just, they're not fixing the defensive end to be able to make a, a title race. Mm-hmm. So I'm really high on Inter this year. Yeah, and let's finish our conversation about the, the top seven clubs by venturing into the Italian uh, capital, Rome. We have Lazio and Roma. Let's uh, begin with Lazio. They finished fourth last year, but they haven't been too active in this past transfer window. They signed uh, Vedat Muriki, center forward from, uh, from Fenerbahce, and he's expected to rotate on top um, as a technical partner of Chiro Immobile. You know, there's also Felipe Caicedo and uh, Joaquin Correa. He's currently injured, so uh, we're going to have to wait to see him in, in action. But when the league restarted in June, Lazio dropped a lot of points and they saw themselves really dropping from second to fourth place because they were tired. They were visibly tired. Their roster wasn't as deep as the, as the direct rivals. And I have not seen them putting a remedy, fixing this problem. And I think that because of that, they will not be considered contenders to the title, Chris. So in my heart, they'll be number one always in their jersey design. <laughs> so uh, a nice logo. Beautiful logo, beautiful colors, um, uh, very tastefully done. So they're number one of all the five leagues in my, my book. But as you said, in post, post-COVID, they, they lost their mojo. Uh, you know, they scored 79 uh, goals, which still puts them in third place overall. But that's because of uh, one, uh, one uh, winger in particular, uh, Europa, then, European Golden Shoe winner, Chiro Mobile. That's exactly right. They had 42 goals against, which is the same as, as Juve. Um, so 
the way I look at it is, uh, you know, the, they actually had a more positive goal differential uh, at 37 than, than Juve. Mm. But I just feel like they're, as you said, they're, they're a year older. They didn't really, they weren't, couldn't afford to make any trade-ups. And I just feel like all the other teams are getting one step faster. And I hope I'm wrong, but in seeing the inter Lazio game, you know, they, they, they played really well in the beginning of the first half and then Inter came on and then second half was a disaster and couldn't evaluate anything. But yeah, you know, I, I, I wouldn't rule them out, but I, you know, I think they're serious contenders for Champions League going forward, but I'm inclined to agree with you. I just don't think they're going to be ready mm-hmm. for the top spot anytime soon. Yeah, I'm not worried about their performance from uh, now, from October through February. I'm going to be worried what it's going to happen afterwards when, you know, you're going to have legs getting tired, players having spent a lot of mental energies. And don't forget that they're in, in the Champions League. So they're going to have to play Wednesday, Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. It's not going to be easy without too deep of a roster. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. Simone Inzaghi has everything figured out and maybe he's got players ready to come in that we don't know about yet. He sees them in training. We don't. So let's see if, uh, if Lazio will, um, will be able to keep up for, uh, throughout the entire season. What about Roma, Chris? Roma, they have signed a couple of uh, um, interesting players. Pedro came on a free transfer, mm-hmm. as well as uh, uh, Enric uh, Mkhitaryan, both from mm-hmm. uh, uh, EPL sides. And um, in really the last probably 30 seconds of the transfer window, they were able to sign Chris Smalling from Man United. Um, but you know what? I think that the biggest signing, even if it's technically not a signing, was keeping Edin Dzeko as a number nine. He was linked to Juventus for the entire summer because Pirlo said he wanted Dzeko as, uh, as their uh, center forward, eventually stayed in the capital. How do you see the Giallorossi doing? You know, to me, off- offensively, that's not where the problems are. Um, it's it's defensively, and um, you know, I, I know they picked up Mancini um, from from Atalanta, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and they picked up uh, Veratut uh, from um, Florentina. Yep. Um, so you know, they, they're making some moves there, um, and then Kimbula from Alas Verona. I, they're they're making moves there, but I just when you look at where they came undone last year, they gave up 51 goals, uh, which is puts them about eighth or ninth in the league. Oh. They scored a very comfortable 77 goals, which is the same as Juve. So I'm not worried about the offensive piece. Will they have the pieces in place? I don't know if Chris Smalling, <clears throat> I think it was a great signing, but I, I wonder if these, these new guys do you think these new guys can step in and really put a dent into those um, goals scored on them last year? Listen, I like Marash Kumbula from, uh, on loan from Elas Verona. Last year, he did very well in, um, under a Juric. And uh, he's used to playing in a three-man defensive line. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that as long as he clicks with his uh, defensive partners, he can be a, a great addition. Obviously, you're going to have a, a midfield that covers. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's where most of the uh, problems can be solved if the team can defend in a, in a compact way because Roma many times have looked too stretched last year and maybe, you know, uh, conceding 
uh, counterattack goals. But what I think about Roma is that they're not going to be able to keep up with uh, the rivals in the Scudetto race. And what they're going to aim for, in my humble opinion, is a, a top four placement. Yeah, I mean, I, I will tell you, um, I do think that Mkhitaryan and, and Pedro uh, are in really great options in, in the midfield, right? I don't know how much time they're going to get as they age up, what's going to happen in terms of injuries. But, you know, I, I think Roma is a very savvy team when it comes to recruitment. Uh, they're owned by some Americans, one of the four clubs in Serie A that are. Um, so they're clearly very switched on. Um, I, I, I wonder if they have the firepower. They have the experience. Do they have the firepower? Time will tell. A statistic you probably don't know is that the more you age up as a player in Serie A, the more likely you are to score goals. <laughs> so don't worry, don't worry about Pedro being uh, 33 plus years old. He's got, he's, uh, if he's in Serie A, he's going to be, to be successful according to a, a statistic that I just made up. I, I got to tell you, I, I see that trend and I think it's because uh, recovery sciences have improved so much, right? Mm. Uh, the, I, I think it's not going to be uncommon for strikers to be able to play until 33 or 35 years old. Uh, and that just wasn't possible 15 years ago, but now it is. And Ronaldo, of course, is leading the revolution in that. And Ibra, Ibra. Um, where he's not going to give you a full season's worth of games, but on the three quarters that he comes on for, defenses are constantly going to be looking over their shoulders. So I think that's a really interesting trend um, to look at. I'd be interested in hearing what other trends you think you see emerging out of Serie A. Let me first add a couple names to this list of all players scoring. We have Rodrigo Palacio mm -hmm. uh, for Bologna, who's what? I think he's 38 now. Goran Pandev, 37. Uh, Fabio Quagliarella, I think he's about to turn 38. They already, all, of, all three of them have already scored in this area season. So there must be something about the way, how savvy they are, how um, capable of reading the defenses are to score these goals because obviously they're not going to, uh, they're not scoring because they're athletically monstrous. They're scoring because they know where to position themselves and where to finish, how to finish, and all, all those, those tricky things. Other trends, I think it's early to say in Serie A. Um, I would say that defend, uh, defensive lines have behaved better than what we have seen, for instance, in the Premier League. Um, besides Atalanta, the Atalanta games where you see waves of goals um, in Italy, hopefully there will continue to be results that make sense in the world of football. Um, but why don't we, I want to I also look at what's happening at the bottom of the table. It's early to say, but we have a couple of teams that seems to struggle from the first, from the early stage of the season. Uh, the change of management in Cagliari and Torino seem to be a little slow of a process because Isabel Di Francesco has tied one game and lost two and um, uh, Marco Giampaolo at Torino Uh, they've lost both games so far. Uh, Udinese is um, is the only team yet to score in this area campaign. So Kevin Lasagna, Stefano Caca, Ilian Storoski, they're going to have to step it up. Chris, Udinese just signed uh, uh, Gerardo Lofeu from uh, EPL um, side Watford. He's a winger, speedy, 
with pace? Do you think he can help solve solve the problems of the of the free line on top? Uh, you know, there three game we're three games into the into it all. The fact that um, they've got a minus four goal differential, uh, I just I don't know if that's going to be the silver bullet. You know, I, I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the bottom of the table. I, I want to give these guys a pass. I don't want to beat up on them yet because uh, it's just like the first day of school. Uh, so let's not give them Fs quite, quite yet. Yeah. But, you know, um, Parma, I will say Parma's at 16. They went out and spent $85 million yeah. and, they, and they lose two out of three games. That can you want to talk about buyer's remorse. Uh, they might have wanted to stick with uh, with USL teams uh, with with that sort of uh, <laughs> start. So um, I don't know. I, I'm excited uh, about it, but let's. My take is let's let these guys breathe a little bit. And welcome to Serie A, uh, Crotone. Ten goals conceded, zero points so far in Serie A in three games. So. They, they they knew it was gonna be a cutthroat world, so let's see if they can uh, if, if they can pick up the pace and shift gears going forward. Chris, we have an unbelievable weekend of Serie A football after this international break. Mm-hmm. Uh, please set your alarm at eight thirty on Saturday because at nine a.m. we have Napoli hosting Atalanta at Stadio San Paolo. Like we said before, both teams average at least four goals per match. Napoli have yet to concede one. Uh, we're going to see probably a 4-3-3 from Gattuso because he, uh, Lorenzo Insigne will be out a month due to injury. Mertens will slide to the left side and Hoziman will feature in the middle with Lozano probably wide on the right. As far as Atalanta, 3-4-1-2 with Talisman Papu Gomez uh, leading Serie A in goals with four sitting behind probably Zapata and Luis Muriel. How many goals do you expect in this game? Well, I, I certainly take the over-under of 2.5. I mean, I sus- my, my scoreline, I'm going to just cut to the chase. I, I see a 4-3 game happening here. Ooh. Um, I just talked so, about uh, Italian defenses <laughs> being better than I, those in the I, Premier League. I don't, I don't see it at Atalanta, right? And, um, you know, I think Napoli is, uh, is not, not too, too far away from that whole story. So uh, we shall see. I, I, I think this is going to be... Uh, a high octane game. Look forward to it. Um, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm following the Atalanta dream right now um, and seeing what what they can do with it. What do you think are potential slip ups here or particular matchups that you're going to really pay attention to? Well, um, both teams have uh, always high intensity, high pace. If Napoli, if Napoli's wingers. Uh, in this case, it will be Mertens and Lozano. If they don't help out defensively, it could be a nightmare because Atalanta are very good at bringing numbers up. And many times you see more Atalanta attackers in, the, in a box than the opponent's def- defenders. Uh, and they've proven that they can do that for 90 minutes. And they also have subs that are um, worth starting. So they're going to be able to come in and keep the quality, the level up. So I think that um, Napoli will keep their, their uh, identity of keeping possession and go to go with combinations, but there's going to be a lot of defensive effort required. At the same time, like you said, Atalanta defensively, they're not too composed. They tend to leave a couple of, um, you know, too many gaps here and there. And with the quality of uh, Insigne, Lozano and Osimen 
And with the passing range of midfielders, for instance, Fabian Ruiz, um, Napoli can as well um, score two goals, two, three goals uh, on Atalanta. Um, Chris, after that game, I'm going to make sure that you follow the schedule. Don't even think about getting up from the couch because after uh, Napoli-Atalanta, we'll have to fly to Milan for the Derby della Madonnina as Inter takes on Milan in San Siro at lunchtime. I'm not sure if I should wear my AC Milan Pirlo jersey because Pirlo is a little bit of a, of a guy that um, is sided with the opponent right now. But uh, what do you think about this game? Do you see, uh, I mean, it's two teams in form. Uh, what do you see happening there? I am hesitating because I see two really well-matched teams. And sometimes two really well-matched teams end up leading to an underwhelming match overall. Mm -hmm. um, I desperately hope that I'm wrong, but um, I see this potentially as a 1-1 or a 2-2 draw um, with uh, a lot of entertaining um, uh, play in, in, in the, uh, the middle third. So, um, yeah, I just – I hope I'm so wrong. I hope this ends up being like a 5-4 a four, a game, but I just feel like – both teams have got um, solid defenses they're playing. Um, so I would say maybe I'll take the over-under of 2.5 and think it's a 2-2 game. Mm. Uh, according to Gazzetta dello Sport, we should have Inter lined up in a 3-4-1-2. Um, the midfield should be Akimi, uh, Brozovic, Vidal, and Perzic with Barella just sitting in front of them and then the dynamic duo of Lukaku Lautaro. Milan will not be able to count on Rebic. He came off with an injury in the game against Crotone. It was quite gruesome. His, uh, his elbow um, kind of uh, was dislocated. So hopefully we'll be back soon for the Rossoneri. Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised at the number of injuries that they're already facing. Um, uh, is it Mus Muscaccio, ankle surgery? Muscaccio, yeah. yeah. It, um, should be a couple, couple more weeks. Yeah, Conte has got a knee injury. Uh, Roma Ganoli has got a disrupted calf muscle. You've got two that have coronavirus, Duarte and Gabia. Do you see any of those losses having a significant impact other than Rebid? Uh I mean, Romagnoli has been a, a, a big... Um a big loss for Milan, even though they have, they have yet to concede a goal, right? But he's, uh, he's the captain right in the back. He's going to be uh, back in a starting lineup when he's back. And maybe they were, I heard he could be back this weekend against Inter, pairing up with, uh, with Kier. And uh, as far as Ante Rebic, obviously, would not feature on that left side. We're going to see um, in the 4-2-3-1, we're going to see Sadezmaker, Chalanaglu, and Leal lined up behind Zlatan Ibrahimovic. How romantic is that Ibrahimovic is going to play again against um, against his former team, Inter? Yeah, well, it's <laughs> at this point he's played played for so many teams. Yes, Ranieri, it's <laughs> it's like he's he's dated uh, everybody in the bar uh, at this point. So, um, you know, I, I'm really struck by um, uh, uh, Inter's got some issues with respect to. Um, the coronavirus, right? Um, uh, screener, screener, um, Bastoni, uh, um, Young. I did not, I did not know this until recently. Is uh, he? He's got it. So 
I'm a little worried that um, Inter may end up. Uh, it would may up fragile defensively. Very much so. Uh, you know, uh, you've got two center backs and a left midfielder that are uh, that are injured, and Young usually puts in a good shift defensively. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, what's what's your take on it? I it looks like there will be D'Ambrosio, De Frey, and Kolarov playing the back three, but obviously they're not. Especially D'Ambrosio and Kolarov, they're not proper center backs. They have played their uh, most of their their career as fullbacks. So they're going to have to adapt and be a little more composed and uh, help out the fry. Um, and they're going to have to deal with uh, Willy Bramovich, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The big threat on top. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I expect uh, Milan's winger, so Leao and Salas Makers, to keep wide in possession because you're going to want to do exactly that kind of job. Pull out of the defensive line, D'Ambrosio and Kolarov, because then it creates a gap for the runs of midfielders, of, uh, of strikers, of the trequartista. And that's where that space that you can exploit. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it'll be interesting because we're three weeks into this and the level of uh, impact injuries, I would say, are two, at least two or three on each team. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see how deep the squads are uh, and we'll keep our fingers crossed and hope that, that there's going to be some fireworks. I still think it's going to be a 2-2. What's your take on it? A 2-2. Two, two. Uh, I see this being a very um, close game. I would say that at least one team will not score. So it's going to be a 1-0 to either side. I'm not going to say more than that because okay. I don't want to jinx it. Uh, <laughs> after that game, after this San Siro game, uh, it's going to be time for your uh, post-lunch espresso, Chris, as you will enjoy Crotone-Juventus. It's not on paper. It's not the best game for uh, for newly promoted side Crotone to collect points, but at the same time, Juventus will not be able to Cristiano out for COVID. Wow, sounds weird. Out for COVID, Cristiano out for COVID. Do you think they're gonna go for a tie? I think that that's what I would do. Try to uh, exploit this big loss because Juventus. Uh, sorry, Ronaldo is not just a, a goal scorer for Juventus. He's a leader. Yeah, I, I, I'm not worried at all. I think uh, this is a, a small Italian speed bump uh, in a roundabout for Juve. Um, mm. They're going to just drive, drive right over Crotone um, and, um, and get ready for Champions League. So on top, I would expect to, uh, to see Morata, you know, taking the, uh, filling the shoes of Ronaldo. And then probably Kruzeski Chiesa, according to, uh, to what um, I was reading in Gazzetta, it should be the two of them. So that's, that's quite a replacement. And um, but yeah, you never know if Crotone, one episode, one uh, penalty kick, and then they sit back, it's going to be a hard team to bridge because all the, the teams that sit back, especially in that field, which is not... Uh, it's not too nice. It's a little bumpy. Maybe Juventus will have problems with circulating the ball quickly. You know, maybe the the Italian way they can uh, they can get away with points. Yeah, I mean, Crotone has given up ten ten goals in three matches against non-stellar teams. So I, I just too much too much too early for them right now. Juve is going to cruise cruise on this, and I'm thinking three zero pretty easily. Wow. Wow, I'm gonna go with uh, 
I'm going to go with a 2-1 for Juventus. I think it's going to be harder than you think. The conditions of that pitch can make a difference, Chris. Okay. Um, well, enough with the talk. We're just going to have to sit back and, uh, and enjoy this weekend's game. Thank you, Chris, for your contribution. I'm very glad to be back talking about Italian culture. We will see you guys next time. Arrivederci.